Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. Today is a beautiful day, and we, we have got... Listen, this episode today, this one right here, I'm telling you what, it is a game changer. This one, this is the real deal. We go, we talk about some stuff today with my buddy, Matt Faircloth. Um, we get real. Can I, I'm telling you, it is going to be epic. Listen, pull on your boots, put a, pull them up tight. Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna go get in it, my friends, and you're not going. We're not gonna disappoint. Just put it that way, okay? Uh, so, with that said, let me let me just give you my my the guest. His name is Matt Faircloth. He's been a full time investor uh, for 15 years. Um, he is uh, in that time he's successfully completed projects involving dozens of fix and flips, office building, single family homes, apartment buildings. Um, he is. Completed over $60 million in real estate transaction. Controls over uh, 1,100 units in multifamily. He's a regular contributor and podcast guest on biggerpockets.com. Has an active YouTube channel dedicated to educating investors. And he's the uh, author of an Amazon bestseller, Raising Private Capital. How to build your real estate empire with other people's money. It's listen. Today's t- today is good. I'm very proud of what we what we just did. Uh, you know, normally I try to I record the stuff and then I come back and record the intro. And I'm just telling you right now, this is one to go down. It's, it's good. It's good. I don't always say that about all my podcasts, but my friends, this one this one's good. Um, with that said, um, quickly. Listen, I, I've been I've been wanting to do this and I've never done this before. And so right now, I want to give if you've not read my book, Copy Your Way to Success, I'm gonna do something that I don't normally ever do. And so to get it, you have to be listening to this podcast, my friends. And the way you're gonna get, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna make you pay for it, not even a dollar. Okay. Here's how you get my book, Copy Your Way to Success, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants for absolutely free you're going to text you're going to text the word book b-o-o-k to 480-500-1127 so text the word book to 480-500-1127 you'll we'll, we'll ask you some questions on where you live and all that stuff and then my team will ship you out a copy of our book Standing or uh, copy your way to success, standing on the shoulders of giants. It's a great book, man. I'm telling you, I wrote every word. It should make you, you know, laugh. I think it should make you cry, and should it should inspire you in this wonderful and beautiful game called multifamily investing. So, I hope you take me up on that. Again, text the word book to four eight zero five hundred one one two seven, and you can get your copy today. Get your copy. <laughs> Can't even. Let's talk today. I'm so excited about this episode. Um, with that said, really a quick word from our sponsors. 
Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. All right, we're back and we're going to jump to it. Listen, this podcast is epic. Here we go. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show, brother. What's going on, Big Kahuna? It's grateful to be here, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Listen, uh, you have done a lot of stuff, man. You've been a lot of places. And uh, today, I just I kind of want to open up this segment for you and let's talk about um, just the stuff, right? Like multifamily in general. But I really, before we start though, can you give us your little quick story? Because everybody likes to hear the the man. Here's what I did. Here's where right. I started. Here's where I. Uh, where I, where I where came I from. Came from. How did yeah. you get here? Yeah. Uh, my favorite question on that was, tell me all about yourself in 30 seconds or less. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Let's see. Grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, when I was growing up, everybody was like, hey, you're great at math and science. You should be an engineer. And I said, okay, great. I'll do that. And like any other kid, I trusted adults and I went to school for engineering, went to Virginia Tech, um, had an absolute ball. I had a lot of hangovers uh, and just had a great time. Go Hokies. Um, and got a degree in engineering. And then by the time I got my degree, I figured out what an engineer did. And I was like, oh man, I don't want to do that. You know? And so <laughs> I, yeah, right. That, that stinks. I don't want to, I don't want to be an engineer. Um, I don't want to sit on a desk and crunch numbers all day. I want to be with people, you know, and then hang out. And yeah. Imagine and, that, right. Somebody like Matt being in a desk all I the know. time. Oh like, my God. That'd be just a slow death. Right. Um, to get just chained to a desk in a corner. Right. Can you imagine, you know, my personality just chained up, right. You know, we talked about the predictive index before, right. My PI chained to a desk sitting in a corner. No, thank you. So I, um, I found a job with a company called Ingersoll. Saul Rand uh, selling their machinery uh, to engineers. And so I was able to use my selling skills um, to trend. And I was, and they wanted people with engineering degrees to be salesmen. And that was like a godsend. I was like, okay, great. I can use my people skills and have fun and do what I do what I like to do, which is to be with people and travel and bop around. And be what every other my, engineer wants to be, but they can't because they don't have right. it. Right. Well, you don't you don't have the you don't have the math and science skills, but also the the talking skills, right? So, right. Um, I was able to uh, to to excel at that, and I did very well. I sold their compressed air machinery, which, believe it or not, compressed air is almost is so common in manufacturing. Um, they call it the fourth utility among electric, water, uh, natural gas, and compressed air. Every factory uses it. So I sold the machines that made it, made it um, yeah. and did and did well doing that. And I learned about how things were made. I learned how to sell. Uh, learned how to manage my own time, uh, learned a lot of things and, and, you know, traveled a good bit and, and got, uh, you know, built up a little bit of prosperity for myself as a salesperson, right? Fast forward to when I met my, uh, uh, I met a, met a lovely lady named Liz, uh, who some of you ladies out there have heard of from the real estate invest her show, um, who, uh, introduced me to a great little purple book called the rich dad, poor dad. And that book changed my mind. It changed my complete life. I was like, oh, wow, look at this whole world out there that I didn't know about. So um, 
fast forward to me starting to play cash flow board game every other every other week with a bunch of buddies of mine that I'd I went to start going to Rhea events and found friends to play cash flow with other local guys and we yes. would you know yep. pick up a troll pick up a troll pack of beer and play play cash flow that was our Thursday night right yep um and so uh I fast forward to when Liz and I got married we agreed that hey this real estate thing's awesome we and by the way her and I, her and I had bought a few rental properties while we were dating, I don't recommend buying properties with your girlfriend, but it worked out for my in my case. I made my um, girlfriend buy me a car. <laughs> uh, there you go. I'm married eighteen you years go. now, so yeah, it works out. So uh, me and uh, me and my girlfriend took out a loan from her dad named Salvatore. You know, like so, I borrowed thirty grand from Salvatore to go and buy a duplex in Philadelphia. That sounds like but, if you screw up, you sleep with the fishes. He'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> he said Sal's a good guy, but I wouldn't want to not pay him back, right? So um, we took care of it and got bought a duplex. I bought a house hacked, bought a house that I lived in, and everything like that. And Liz and I decided when we got married that it would be good for to live off of her income while I spurred off and created a real estate company. Her income at the time was marketing a, a product called the predictive index, which you and I both know and love, which is a, a great tool for evaluating people. A little yeah. plug for PI there. Um, and uh, I slowly but surely built up the DeRosa group, did, got into some rentals and um, you know, made, made a ton of mistakes and screwed up and dusted myself up and tried again and then tried again, then tried again, then tried again. And, and here we are. So, and uh, we, we now, that was... In 2005, uh, we now sit in 2020 with 1,150 units, um, completed probably four dozen or so fix and flips, a few wholesales here and there, uh, some land deals, some new construction, um, you know, wrote a book about our journey called Raising Private Capital, which because we did a lot of it with uh, investor partnerships and stuff yeah. like that. So, uh, so that's a bit about us, man. Well, dude, congratulations, by the way. Like every every journey is different, and I. I Thank so you. what's funny is me and you kind of have the same little bit journey there. Is that we had a wife. Uh, or a girlfriend at the time, but she had a, the secure, steady job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that allowed us to be the risk in the relationship. <laughs> and and uh, that's what Shelly did for me. So I, I have that same commonality with you. And honestly, that was the one of the best things ever to be able to have that and to go out and not be worried about making mistakes, right? Yeah. Because you just said, you know, you're going to make, the, your mistakes are going to happen. Oh, so yeah. let's talk about the book that you wrote because... I think that has a lot to do with the success is the ability to raise capital. Yeah, well, we built what we did on uh, on on debt. I mean, like I, you know, thirty percent of Americans own their home free and clear. My mom and dad were one of those thirty percent, um, and so they we uh, took out a line of credit on their home, which gave us a a little bit of, of leg room to go and do some burr strategy stuff, buy properties, renovate them, uh, renovate them, refinance, repeat. And we were able to do that over and over again um, as uh, as business owners, and and we you know built up from there, and then. The, the recession hit. Uh, we had to hunker down and um, had, had done some refis to pull some capital out, and that got us through the recession. Um, and then as things started to come back out, like like 2010, when when the world started to get a little bit more normal again, um, we uh, somebody that Liz went to college with um, had and I, I married up like you did. I, I married a smart girl because my my wife went to Wharton, okay, um, for uh, for grad school. Uh, it went to Penn and, and took some classes at Wharton. And when and one of her Wharton classmates, she was reconnecting with on LinkedIn, and she said, yeah, my husband's running some real estate ventures, and she and, the, and he said the magic words, which are 
geez, I sure what I can I can invest in real estate too, but I just don't have the time. And it was like ding. And I don't know what because we've had we had had people say that before, and we were like, yeah, it does take a lot of time. You know, I, I change yeah. the subject. Oh yeah, it sure does. Um, but at that point, she was like, you know, you should talk to my husband. And I was like, I talked to the guy, and I said, you know, I have time. You know, and if you got money, I got time. You know, let's yeah. figure it out. Yeah, well, um, and, and I and can I, make you something happen. Right. Uh, right well, I now. find I find that raising capital is actually a marriage of the possession of time, resources, contacts, and knowledge on one side, and money on the other side. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's with those two marriages, those two partnerships in my book, I call them the cash provider and the deal provider. Okay. And yeah. so in the marriage of the cash provider, deal provider, and they both are equivalent. And some people try and put one above the other. They are equivalent in, in, in priority in a, in a, in a the, the cash provider is not more important. If you ever deal with an investor that thinks that they're more important than you are, find another investor. Right. Um, oh, but, uh, but that we figured out a way to structure a, a deal with this, you know, Wharton uh, alumni, friend of my wife's. And, uh, and fast forward there, like that deal went well. We just, he put up 50K and we bought two little single family homes, renovated them and refinanced them. And he went and told his buddies about it. And this guy now, and fast forward after Wharton, he's now a financial planner on Wall Street. Yeah. Right. So he hangs out with other financial planners at Wall Street, right? That are, you know, hanging out on Friday night, drinking martinis with their pinky out, right? Yeah, I know that um, game. Right. So he plays that game. I love that game too, right? So he's like telling all his friends about it. And so before you know it, we had done a couple of deals with him and his buddies and it slowly went out from there. Um, and uh, we started tackling bigger and bigger opportunities and you know, grew up small into bigger and bigger real estate. And we've been able to lever up, lever up, lever up, do the right thing every time by investors. And our last deal was 336 units in North Carolina. Boom, like drop the mic. And that's a great example of how it transitions and goes, right? It, it doesn't always just come like, I sometimes I hear people like, oh, they turned it on and they did something big. But for most people, I think most of the ways it happens, is there's a gradual process. You don't just wake up and say, oh, I'm, I'm doing this all of it right now. Um, sometimes you need some train wheels, some tune-up spots yeah. to, get, to get along the way. People think that people think that that's what it is these days, and that you know that if I just go out first time in real estate, never done a deal, I'm going to go out and buy a hundred unit apartment building, and it's going to be and like I'm going to raise three million dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I can that's do it. it. I got it. I got this. You know, I'm I'm going to be like a it's, it's going to be like an ATM machine that's going to spit out million dollar checks too, and I'm not going to have to roll my sleeves up and do any work. Uh, I'm just going to get to retire on the beach and sip my ties and be, you know, and uh, and and be and be retired. You know, at at 29 years old. The best part is when you yeah. have friends that are in the real estate game but they're doing single family right yeah and, and they run a really good single family business right and then you're like hey and they're like oh i can do this i'll help you raise money or i'm gonna do some money and then and then they they fall flat on their face yeah well, and, real estate, and, and, and they don't understand that it's a whole different skill set it is real estate's a different I, so i have changed i got started in single family i own an office complex so i had to figure that out right so i figured out a single family I had to figure out office buildings I had to figure out flips I had to figure out different things it's not like you figure out real estate investing and then that's it forever i, I mean i learn every day i still yeah. i'm still learning and we all are right apartment buildings are a whole nother game that i had to learn when i got into them and it's been a, it's a great game it's my favorite game in real estate um we're playing in, in with the red of, houses finally brother yeah, that's I it. mean we we trashed the green stuff. <laughs> yeah, which my seven year old's now playing Monopoly, by the way. So now, I, so I know all about it. I'm I'm, I'm reintroduced to Red Houses, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. But that's 
And, and there's nothing wrong with greenhouses because you still actually make a pretty good living if you own Park Place with four greenhouses on Damn it. Right. You know, Damn um, right. you don't have to have hotels, and that's what I think the the misnomer in the world is is that you have to have apartment buildings to be successful in real estate. I was talking to a guy last night. I was at a GoBundance networking event, and um, there was a guy in the room that was like, "Guys, over a hundred doors owns it all himself, right?" To on some private loans, he was just doing burr strategy, buy it, renovate it, refinance, repeat, is over 100 doors now, and he wants to get into apartment buildings. And I'm like, why, dude? Just keep doing that. Keep doing what you've been doing, man. It works, you know? man. Yeah. There's way, like, lots of ways to get to nirvana, man, and everybody feels yeah. like, the, but we have this thing of these white rabbits we see. Yes. Sometimes, especially when you got something that's really working, and then you see a white rabbit. Um, the main thing is just passive. I just like the passive side. As long as yeah. it's in the passive lane, you're in the right lane if it's working. Right. Robert Kiyosaki nailed it when he talked about the in, in the book Cash Flow Quadrant about the ESBI. Right. The I quadrant does not have to be apartment buildings, or then the B quadrant does not have to be syndications. Those are both lucrative spaces. They're crowded yeah. these days, um, but at the, but at the end of the day, there are other ways to wealth, and it's about to me, it's about sticking to a plan and having the cojones to to like not to stay focused and not chase all the white rabbits that show up. You yeah, know, right? Um, in whatever path it is. Well, that's so, where I see so many new investors make mistakes. Is yeah. they go from chasing. Oh, it's it's wholesale. No, it's fix and flip. No, it's, uh, it's, it's syndication. No, you know, and yeah. they can't even try to make up their money, get good at anything, uh, at any one thing, and, and they that. wonder why they're they're freaking broke and, and all they are, are professional course takers. Yeah, my first three years of business, I ran around and had a lot of fun, met a lot of people, um, and looked at a lot of different things. But like one week, I was looking at a land deal. The next week, I was looking at a defunct multifamily I was trying to buy. The next week, I was trying to do a wholesale. Um, while all the while, I was trying to hold down the projects that I had. And it's because I didn't have focus, right? right? And so to anybody, if you want to be a multifamily, then fine, great, focus on it. You know, yeah. and stick to it. And when the, and when the fix and flip shows up, allow yourself to not be distracted by it. Don't hey, chase the shiny nickel. I want to know? talk about your book for just a little bit more too. Please. What are they going to really learn? So if someone's like in the syndication model and they buy raising private capital, what's it yes. going to teach them? Uh, it's going to teach them that they know people with money already. And it, it, the raising private capital is it's, it's chock full of my personal stories and my journey, which yeah. is entertaining. Um, but it's also it's also a how to on exactly where with, with like exact sheet with exact uh, things to do and actions to take on how to find the money in your own network. Then once you find it, what to do with it. And not all money is the same. Right. So some money you may find in your network is better off in this vehicle of real estate and some money you may find is better off in this vehicle of real estate. And although we are not licensed Series 7 people, it's about looking at yourself as a custodian and a fiduciary of people's money and how to put it to work in real estate in the best form or fashion and thinking about it in their benefit. It also tells you how to unwind that money, right? I mean, you know, deals don't last forever. It tells you how to pay them back, how to structure deals, and, um, and, and also just pitfalls to look for. Uh, and that. So raising private capital is, is a true how to uh, find money, whether you're just getting started or whether or not you are a syndicator who's done a lot of deals. There are some great tips in there on how we got really creative and, and raised millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, no, I think that's that really is the fundamental. And just coming, I, I just know who you are and the way you talk is usually the way you write. And yep. when you write in a very common, like normal English way, not like, <laughs> not, not like, 
you know, there's some people that write, I'm like, what in the hell are you saying, brother? Like, no, people don't talk that way. Like, Let me read me. this out loud like, yeah. to see if I can get what you're saying here, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's refreshing because that's Thank so you. much needed. There, there's that route for people. And it's a lot of times it's right under their nose. It's way easier than they think. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I mean, it's a hard people, job. People lose sight of that in that, you know, we, we, we spend too much talking about like IRR and cash on cash and what's your mark, you know, what's your EBITDA. It's like, we could throw out all kinds of BS, uh, you know, jargon about real estate, but it's really, it, it boils down to something that can be said to all people and, and that can be, it can be put in layman's terms in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Cause money's um, personal. I, I, yeah, right? I think I think the best capital raisers are someone that could sit a ten year old down and explain to him exactly how a car works. On the you back know? of a napkin, yep. Yeah, there you go. Let me let me lay it down and give it to you as basic as I can, you know. And and I think that that is a good way to sell and a good way to uh, to to show people how you do what you do. Like here's how an apartment building works. Here's what NOI means. Super yeah. layman's terms, you know, yeah. is what cap rate is in basic English. Right? Yeah, because you got to so. you want to educate them as they go. Now, yeah. let's switch gears here. I want to sure. talk about some dirt, right? Oh boy! Says because I mean, COVID's COVID, COVID has left lots of little different dirt marks on everybody, and yeah. I think everybody needs to see the human side of this business. That yes. it's not always sunsets and palm trees, like yeah. People come to this thing thinking, oh, we're going to make all kinds of money. We're going to get acquisition fees and all this stuff. But they forget about the operations side of the business and, and some yeah. of the things that we have to go through to make deals work. Those that are out there pounding their chest on Facebook, talking about how they're just printing money and have never made a mistake. And you and I know who those people are that are out there talking lots of trash about how amazing they are and everything like that are full of it, right? Um, at the end of the day, this business hits back hard. Sometimes this business is like being in the ring with Ali, man. I mean, it, it's like, it, it absolutely just, just is, a right, is a right uppercut. But the, the, the successful entrepreneurs like you and me are the ones that get up after the uppercut and, or the, that have a swing back that we can take or know how to know how to duck a few of those right um and so we've all got battle scars and those that i respect in this business are those that are courageous enough to show them and talk about them and talk about what they learned yeah it means we're not perfect but guess what though people really know that we're not you know that we know we screw up and they know that we learn as we go and we know that we have mistakes but it's really about what did you learn and what did you do to clean it up you know that is so, that is it right because listen yeah. i mean no one can plan for a, a i mean a black swan event covid that's a black swan you, you right who plans for that you can't who had that i joke with my the, the way i say it is like nobody had covid in their underwriting Okay. Nobody. Right? Nobody. And, and you cannot tell me you had like, oh, oh, Bill Gates said that there might be a pandemic or whatever. Get out of here. He didn't know it was going to happen like that. You know, I yeah, mean, yeah. nobody, nobody saw this train coming down, coming, you know, even I remember in February going around to events and stuff like that. And people were like, oh, that's over in China. That's never going to come here. And it's never going to. And then we started looking at the charts and how it was just doing this. Over oh, my in China. God. We're like, right? Oh, like, man. Those guys coming, are getting, dude. Man, those guys are getting really sick over there. Good thing that's not coming here. And all of a sudden, boom, you know, shut it down. And then <laughs> then you can't evict. You can't. You got moratoriums. You've got like new things that we've not had to deal with because we've had the playing field the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And then they right. changed the rules to the game. And then you got to figure out how to be nimble, how to like, how to yeah. uh, how to make sure that you can still pay the bank. We can't work. You know, I, I remember many conversations I had. You know, I mean, that was a, you know, the 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 time of, of March, April, June, 
was surreal for me and a lot of other people. I mean, I spent a lot of time, um, probably put on a little bit of weight, probably drank a little more bourbon than I normally do. And, and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, just, just really commiserated with myself, but spent a lot of time talking to other landlords like yourself and other property managers about like, yeah, what are we going to do? Cause we know? were like, here's the biggest yeah. thing, like pref, right? So we have, you know, we make payments to investors and you're like, okay, I think I hmm. need to, I need to think I need to stop them. Yeah. Right. I mean, most that's what I, did. I, I did. Yeah, most and, people I talked to did, and, and I think most I mean, investors not all, understood. Not on all of them, not all our properties, but the ones that need it. Like we have student housing, we absolutely stopped it on student housing. You know, your investors I think understand at the end. Like, did you have any that you had to do it like that, or did you? Or sure. What we was had your- uh, we had one property we had to stop the pref on. We had another property that actually I had one property brother that went from forty percent occupancy because we were in the middle of a re like a restructure that was intentional to get it down to low occupancy so we yeah. could shake out properties full of bad. I was like, here's a bushel of bad apples. You know, as was yep. what it was, right? Mm-hmm. We had four active drug dealers living on site, guy walking around site with a machete, you know, uh, so th- that you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here kind of thing, right? So we got them all out. Um, and then COVID hit and we were at 40% occupancy, man. So I am proud to say that we are now at 95% occupancy. So I've had success stories happen be- even during COVID, man, because what was interesting is those that are looking to move during COVID are still going to have to pass a credit check and show that they're paying their bills. So if you're not paying your bills, you ain't moving during COVID. So the only people during the, looking to move during COVID were, were those ones. that, yeah, that a reasonable, get reasonably good payment schedules and stuff like that. So we actually hit a boon because we were trying to lease up. Um, and we started doing this whole thing, Corey, but we were like, okay, we're going to do contactless showings, Right. Yeah. Um, and I'll get to the dirt. I'm giving you good stuff now, but this was the dirt. This was the good stuff of that. Like we started Instagram marketing and Facebook marketing and everything like that, that we are going to do hands off con no contact showing. Cause everybody back in, you know, March, April, June was super afraid of getting, getting the Rona. Right. You know? Yeah. They don't want, no, no one's coming in with the Rona. Yep. Everybody would get, don't give me that what, Rona. You know, what's, what's your uh, protocol? Right? Yeah. You yeah. got another, you got another human across the table. I can't talk to them. You know, I can't be in the same room as another human. Ben back now we kind of know more about what you can and can't do to get corona but back then you know there was like you could get I'm gonna go out say it though I just want to say it just because I don't care I think it's all a bunch of horse crap so good all right that's I, good. Just, I said it. Yeah, that's America. We're all we're entitled <laughs> to that. I don't know. You know I I, I, I had saw, Rona. I, yeah my whole family uh, you had got Rona. I don't know. Right but at the I end mean, of the it's day it's real it's real but like what we're doing so I think blown is, bigger. It's is probably stupid. it's blown bigger than it needed to be, right? Yeah. I'll give you that. Anyway, if we marketed that we were doing touchless showings, and so that drew a lot of stuff to us, and we're just doing it's the same shit that people. I guess I hope I can say that. Yeah, you but, can. Okay, good. We have explicit just, lyrics here. Okay, good. Oh, I can I can go full full uh, full fair cloth now. That's good, I love it. it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's the same. I couldn't do that on bigger pockets. I can't talk like that. But here I can. Um, it's the same shit that that uh, we were doing before. Like you're doing combo lockbox showings. You're doing the show mojo box where people have to do a picture of the driver's license and stuff like that. You're doing yeah. DocuSign. But we just assembled the whole process to where it was zero human interaction to lease an apartment. So we yeah. went from forty then to seventy and all the way up to ninety five. So. You can Beautiful. have good stories, but we had two properties that stopped paying the pref, um, and, and that because we just got lean, you know. And uh, we had one property drop into cash management, um, which is just a red hot mess. Uh, and and uh, with uh, but you know we're getting out of it. But it was I, one of those. I have that experience too. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not cool. even shared it with you. anybody yet, so I'll let yeah, you right, know. Right, right, right. Yeah, because my, my name is Matt, and I'm in cash management. <laughs> hi, Matt. Yeah, hi, Matt. Yeah. Hey, right. listen, and it's expensive. It's like a hundred and forty thousand dollar experience, oh, right, to get in yeah. there and then. For, uh, yeah. Well, to for get your the for your line. audience, for your audience, I don't know if it's the same experience as you. By the way, who's your servicer? Um, Argentic. Okay, I was going to say KeyBank. They're the worst, no. you know. And, and I hope their CEOs listening, man. They're like, KeyBank is just absolutely the worst service. I've not gotten my documents yeah. that said I'm out of it, right? So yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, trying yeah, to right, say anything right, to right, right. Me yet. No, they they know <laughs> Two it. Two weeks dude. from they're, now, I might be cool. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. Well, good. That's awesome. I'm, we're on our way there. But uh, for your audience, the way cash management works is that um, it, and, and when rent comes in, instead of your property manager being able to spend it for their expenses or whatever the rent the rent just gets diverted directly to this lockbox thing the bank has that they set up at a third party bank so they have to they had to set up another bank at, bank account at Wells Fargo that Wells Fargo was kind enough to charge us like a grand a month to maintain right yeah. um right and so that right so hey we're we're a little light on expenses yeah, let's you write that part too <laughs> right let's charge you more money right so that has to happen. And then the bank takes their debt service out first, and then they send you an approved allocation each month for your expenses, and that's at the end of the month. So your property manager now has to hold their breath until the end of the month. They send you an allocation for expenses. And if anything that's if anything comes in that's over that rental income and, and whatnot, they take and put it in a cash flow box. You still don't get that money. You still lose, you know? So they you take have the- no access to the money. Yeah, that's it. Until you work your way out of cash management by meeting yeah. a bunch of hurdles and right. they and the hurdles are are uh are heavy and stuff like that but um i got good news they uh just allowed us uh, they're going to release the cash flow box to us which is significant i mean it's it's in the and in, that's in the, the big piece right because once you, a lot of times hey listen no one can plan for a rona and then you get in a, in a spot and then they want to control all your money and you're like dude i need this money to be able to do the things to get the things, to bring in the people, to make you money. Yeah, but here's the thing: telling you just got to be creative and flexible, and get you lean. Do. Like you said, get lean. Now, I want to put something out there for people like, holy shit, this guy Matt Fairclough talking about he's in cash management. I can't believe this guy, right? Here's the deal. My investors know all about this, so I'm not talking about anything that my investors don't know about. You've yep. got to be, if y'all want to get it at syndications, y'all got to be ready to be transparent. And I know other syndicators out there, I'm not going to name any names, but I know your investors who are like, Man, things got a little light on that deal, and all of a sudden I stopped getting emails, you know, and all of a sudden he kind of stopped returning my phone calls and whatnot, right? It's easier to be an ostrich and dig your head in the sand and not communicate with your investors when the shit hits the fan. It takes a lot more courage, but I tell you what, they will respect you more if you own what's going on and say, hey, Amen. listen, here's right, here's what happened, here's how I screwed up, and here's what I'm gonna do about it. And here's how I'm getting screwed. And it's okay. I'm not going to own all of it because KeyBank sucks and because this is what they did uh, and everything like that. And this is this is how they got us into this situation because I haven't gotten to this side of the story. But KeyBank actually, it's their fault we got put in cash management because oh, wow. they, they, they did something called a future funding advance, which is where um, that's where you borrow money for construction. But if they decide you're not bringing it in fast enough. Um, they can advance all the construction dollars to you, but they don't actually give it to you. They just take it and put it in an escrow account and charge you interest on it. Oh, so yeah. I'm now paying eight grand a month of, for on interest for money I don't have anymore. I don't have. Right. right. 
but it, and, it and increased. Give it to you. Yeah, yeah. So you're. But you're gonna charge me. Up. Yeah. But you're gonna charge me. Is that even legal? I guess so. But you're gonna charge me for money I don't have, right? And so that increased my debt yield to the or decreased my debt yield to the point where we we triggered the covenant to go into cash management. So it is their fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you brought up a great point, though. It, it is really yeah. about communication. So for, for those of you guys listening right now, is even when things go a little sideways, yep. your money already believes and trusts in you. That's a fact. They wouldn't That's have given why they you invested with you because they knew that you would be able to weather the ship and get them out. And if if, if things went you know down the wrong road, that you had to know how to get them out of that. That's All why they're they looking with for you. is your communication and your course corrections. They'll follow along very well. I I, I truly believe this. No, like. I'm not, so I, you said cash management. I'm, hold on. I'm a little farther down the, the rabbit hole than you are there. I'm in uh, a foreclosure, okay? Oh. Uh, well, we went I'm going to call you. We I'm going to call special, you when I, need it, when I need advice on we that. We went into but, special servicing. Now, and we did it on purpose. That's like the, that's like the workout department, right? Yes. Okay. Right? So, but it's, but did they file a paper that says, why are you getting that workout spot? They're like, all of a sudden, I'm getting all these affidavits. Oh, God. <laughs> and like, uh, you're now in the pre-foreclosure process. We're getting ready to file this. And they're like, here's oh, your notice. Man. And um, okay. Now, so we get there because we're having this. And this is where I think, I got to tell the story. I, I know you're my Please. guest, but I got I to tell the story because. I love it. You're going to love it. The, the hey, we're, ma- we're masked off now, right? Yeah, oh, I love yeah. It. Yeah, 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 go yeah. bring it, so bring it. I'm talking to, uh, and I've not shared this with anybody except for my investors. So this is, but we're in a spot where I'm talking to my normal lender, Argentic, and I'm like, guys, here's, I mean, uh, student housing, we're at 45 percent occupancy. I've floated this thing for as long as I can, and I need to figure out how to get to, like, I need some forbearance to get yeah. to next August, right? right? And the, so they're like, well, okay, well, we can't give you that much time. You should go into special servicing. That's that's probably where. And I'm like, how can you guys make that adjustment to my loan? How do I get it? How do I do it? Special servicing, Corey. Okay, let's go to special servicing, which means we don't make the payment. Okay, that's how you get there. By the way, Ooh. you don't make the payment, you get there. So, so you got you you have to intentionally stop miss, making. Debt oh yeah, service. I had to move money out of my account. Wow! <laughs> right to make sure I bounced. Right. Wow! So we go wow. in there on the third month. Finally, we get the call like we're moving you to special servicing now. Your loan's going to the right spot. We're like, oh great, this is gonna be great. Oh yeah, right. yeah. We made we're the gonna get that loan month that we went. And I get in there and I was like, dragon lady shows up. Whoa! <laughs> I want everything, and she's giving me these fee schedules, and I'm like, and dude, dragon lady. Yeah, I think I, I met her cousin, bro. I'm cussing. I start cussing, which is a no no. Don't ever cuss to lenders. Okay? Oh yeah. But I was fucking pissed. Okay, pardon right. my French on this podcast, but I was. Yeah, you said you're explicit, so we can say that. Yeah, right. yeah. Because listen, <laughs> I, the guys at Argentic, the cool dudes, told me to go here. I get there, and I meet Dragon Lady. Right. And I'm like, ho, ho, hold on. Like, yo, I'm not that dude, man. Like, I'm here for a reason to get a workout. And so, but she, then all of a sudden her list of demands start showing up. Or we're filing for this. We're, and and even though she said we are, we're going to or maybe, dude, it was planned, bro. Like, every day yeah. I'm getting, like, a new little deal. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? Like, what are you doing? Just tell me what you need and we'll get there. And wow. this like is a whole month process. Anyways, long story short, hundred and fifty thousand dollars it cost me 
to um, go into this special servicing and their fees to make this thing right. So luckily, we kind of had enough money. And, and this is, when you're ever in a spot, being capitalized, being well capitalized, or having the ability to access capital when you need it, mm-hmm. that's, that's what saved my lunch. I, mm. I called a couple of my investors in the deal, and we own this deal for $9 million, and it's valued at $18 million. Nice. Like we're in and into it, right? But like our cash flow is crap. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what happened. We had a call. I had made a call. I, I got $400,000 from my investors. Yeah. And we how got our you, loan uh, How do you get out of it? Like, how do you work your way? Like, what's they the They give exit? you these magic documents that you sign. Okay? okay. And they put it like they have this little wand. And they, they, <laughs> the dragon lady has magic too. I it mean, she turns like. into right. a princess, dude, when you do it right. <laughs> right? Normally, sudden, it's the other way. Normally, the princess turns I mean, into the dragon gosh, lady. I mean, listen, what you can say and what you say will be used against you. Um, and so, dragon lady turns into a princess once we finally right. get all the details. And it was crazy because I was like, dude, we could have done this on the first call. Right, like you could have just told me what the hell you wanted, and I would have been okay. That's cool. I, I like we could have had this done in one call, but yep. that's not how they want it because she's making money, uh, her fees as we drag it along a little bit. Oh, right? she's an attorney. I, dra- um, she works for the bank. She's in receivership. She's like the REO. But she's department. getting like fees for for yeah, her. She gets time. paid uh, yeah twenty five hundred dollars a month, and then By it, you. Oh yeah, here's <laughs> the best part. We've only been in it for a month, right? She goes, right. but. My fee to get into this into Dragon Lady School is you got to pay for <laughs> us pay for me for five months whether you need me or not. Wow! I'm like, what the fuck is this? Wow! <laughs> I didn't say that, but I'm in my mind. I'm like, that son of that a bitch. That might have come out of my mouth. Like, what? I'm like, hey, can we just slow play it then? Can I just not pay my mortgage for another five months? Then if I got to pay for you for five months, I mean, I'm how about you? Just... But luckily, and at the end, she turned into a princess. She was really nice because. A, I had the money, like I told yeah. her I did, and um, and we got you know we got current, and then all of a yeah. sudden, and, and you know we're still not finalized. I got another week to f- finish up some stuff, but the the magical documents are coming, which is the loan mod. Yeah, right. So they're going to change the agreement to the deal because now we're in special servicing, so they have the ability to change the documents and give us uh, six months forbearance. And then from there, we have another uh, 18 months left in our loan. So we'll take the forbearance piece and uh, divide it by 18 more months. And that's going to be our additional payments to get us through. Nice. Nice. This is your podcast. This is your, your no, 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 brother. I, this is all good stuff, though. I love it. I mean, but it was and, my and, first experience, dude. And like yeah. Dragon Lady was real. And I'll tell you that this shit has gone down with other syndicators who don't have the balls to put it out there like that, man. And um, and I think that it, it sucks. It's a part of our world, though. And, and there's plenty of syndicators out there that might have just buried their head in. And, and honestly, I think that the other shoe is going to drop at some point. I think that the people like you and I there are going to... Um, you know, there's going to be opportunity, whether it's you and me or maybe it's whatever, but uh, there's going to be syndicators that are going to run out of gas uh, and, and maybe not know how to work with Dragon Lady or not going to be able to enroll their investors that there is a lead at the end of the tunnel and, hey, guys, kick in 450 k and we'll get through this and I will I will champion you through it and I got you, you know, um, yeah. and, and that. And that and so there, there's going to be syndications that are going to fall out, uh, you know, that well, Dragon so Lady is you know- going to get back. After I did everything that I said, you know what I, this is now, because man, I'm a lot like you. I'm, I think I, 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 we got some powerful brains, me and you. I know we do. (laughs) So I was like, hold on. 
Dragon Lady. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. I got. I can't be the only person that's doing this. Uh, yeah. Listen, uh, I just want to prove to you that I had the money and that I'm going to get the money and I'm going to do this. But what else do you have coming down the pipeline that I can buy? <laughs> wow. Was Dragon Lady willing to tell yes, you what she had? Bro. Wow. Yes. I can't believe she Dragon was Dragon Lady became the princess, dude. Wow. I'm kissing her like my fairy godmother now, man. That's crazy. That's crazy, <laughs> man. I, I'd, I'd be sending her Christmas cards, She's in man. the REO department. She knows all the stuff. And she's like, taking my order. What do you like? And I'm like, listen, I'll go raise $20 million right away for, like, tell See, me what I you think need that that, to do. That's almost worth not paying your mortgage just to meet Dragon Lady to say, like, hey, okay, I've made it to the inside. Because I, I can tell you that during the first foreclosure crisis, you know, 2008, 9, 10, I was more in, into smaller deals at that time. But me I too. cold called a bunch of banks saying, like, I want to talk to your loss mitigation department. Yeah, your REO department. You know? Yeah, yeah, I want to try and talk my way through it. But like, I mean, that might have worked in 2009 when when you know they were still cleaning the shit balls off the fan off the off the fan blades. But at the end of the day, once the banks kind of figured out how to mitigate the those losses, those people became further and further behind the gate. You know, yeah. you couldn't just walk up and cold call a bank and say, "Hey, let me talk to your loss and mitigation department, yeah. your REO department." They, they know they knew they were holding the keys. All to something of a sudden, good. yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. they be, there's multiple layers to the gatekeeper. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the conversation. So I got all the way to the gatekeeper, like yeah. the one that knew about. It. I'm like, listen, I don't necessarily need you to queue me up a deal, but like, if you can give me a heads up or make suggestions, if someone's really getting ready to, to lose, let me be the solution. Let's call this pre foreclosure heaven. Yeah, right. Let right. me be the solution for it. Like, I hope you're able I've to got, do something with that. I've man. got a lot yeah, of rich friends. We got lots of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, you could be helping somebody out that might be in front of Dragon Lady that either doesn't have the network or doesn't have the know-how, and maybe got over their head. Yeah, or whatever. just don't want to get the the nick on their uh, on their name on the record, right? So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's so funny that, that I don't know why there is these bragging rights in syndication world. When, when people ask, like, hey, man, have you ever done a cash call? As investors ask that. And there's this pride to be like, no, I've never had to do a cash call, you know. Um, and it's and I've just like, no, I've never had to, but I've had to I've had to write a big ass check myself, you yeah. know. I mean, and, and I've had to front up like 150 grand out of my own pocket, you know, yeah. to keep a deal going. Yes, I have. And, and I've had to wait. I've had to hold my breath for a really long time to get paid while my investors got paid. Yeah. And I've had to get, go in my pocket a lot, you know, every here and again to keep it, to keep things to going. Make, to make it work. Yeah. See, that's the part you know, that most syndicator, most people that are doing, doing these podcasts, they don't ever talk about that crap. Like, because this is the realness of what really happens in the business yeah. is you're, because you framed it up, Matt, in the beginning where you said you are equal with your money. Yes. You, you're not better, you're not lower, you're just equal. And then, but truly, I think you're below it because I've always put my money way above me. Right, 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 right. Meaning, yeah. I'm going to do everything that I have to to make it right. Yeah, yeah. Right? And sometimes and that means coming I mean, out of my own pocket. Yeah. Because I'm protecting I, I, the I deal. guess what I was, was referring to is that I, I want to work with investors that, that are willing to work out win-wins with me and treat, and they all, and they all, and treat yeah. my side with respect. Yeah. You're right, though, that I do in my own mind, I put investors first. Well, well you do too, mind. but you still want them to be like amicable and like understand that yeah. life is real. And, and viewed as a win-win, yeah. right? Instead of like, you know, they got me by the short and curlies it's or something short -term like that. It's a short-term event now. for a long-term deal, right? Yes. And, that's, yes. and that's where we've always had – that's visionaries as we are man that's that's what we do is we look yeah. for hey 
uh, this is a five-year deal. This is we're a year and a half into this little thing, yeah, and yeah. Uh, in the long term, in five years from now, we're going to be laughing at this event. Yeah. It's not going to do a hell of a hell of a lot. Let me uh, do. I got time for one more story? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I'll tell you, this is a pre-COVID story, but this is a good one, right? And this I highlight a little bit of this in my book, and, and folks that have heard me on other shows or whatever might have heard me tell a little bit of it. But um, let me give it to you. This this ought to be one of those like you know late night Saturday night movies or something like that. It probably will be like a Netflix special or something like that about this guy. So we uh, we go and we we're uh, we have an 18 unit in Northeast Philadelphia. Um, bought it for a million, 50% occupied, um, got in, renovated apartments, um, uh, you know, uh, upgraded the units, got rents up, got it humming along, making it, making a nice little cash flow. Philadelphia starts to just take off. Right. And I, I have a guy come in and say, I'll give you 1.5 right now. No questions asked. And we're into the deal for two years. It's a th- five year syndication. We're into the de- We're into the deal for year two. I'm like, I, I got to take that offer, man. We're cash flowing, but like, geez, you know, like 50% more than I bought it for on year two. Yes. Yes, please. Hit so the I go take button. The, yeah, right. I take the deal. Um, and so 716000 comes back to us at closing. I work out a deal. I work out that. That's what's lined up to come back to us. I work it out because I'm syndicating. At this point, we've grown our business and stuff like that. We've tackled some larger projects. So I'm under contract to buy a 198 unit in Fayetteville, North Carolina, right? Home yeah. of Fort Bragg, largest military installu- installation in the world. Great site, you know, great property. Total, that's the one that had four active drug dealers on site okay. with a guy walking around with a <laughs> yeah. shed. Yeah, I mean, great location with a bunch of knuckleheads living there, right? Yep, yep. So um, we put it under contract. And I'm like, hey, I got an idea. I told these investors in this deal in Philadelphia that they were going to be on a five-year hold. They're only on two. I'm going to do a tenant in common, 1031 exchange. It's a little complex, but I'm going to do a 1031 to take those investors and put them in this deal, right? right. Yeah. Um, and so we line it up. Sale happens, 1031. Uh, 1031 sale goes in. Uh, I had the 1031 custodian that I used, I found him on Bigger Pockets. I uh, Googled this guy all up and down the street, uh, read a bunch of reviews of his, talked to his staff, everything sounded good. Um, and so I go to, we, we go to, we close that and then we go continue raising capital for this North Carolina deal. I go call the 1031 company because we get to be two weeks outside of closing and nobody's answering the phone. Nobody's returning my emails. And so I Google the company owner, right? I'm like, what, what WTF, man? Where is this guy? And so I'm like, I'm going to the top, man. This is what I do, right? It's probably what you would have done. I'm, I'm calling the freaking owner, right? Yeah. And so I Google the owner's name. And the first thing that shows up in Google is business owner found burnt alive in car in Jacksonville neighborhood, staggering around neighborhood, right? And it turns out this knucklehead um, was the owner of this company was walking around this residential neighborhood with third degree burns. Turns out that he had been lit on fire by somebody else in a car. Okay. But he was alive, but they had put him in because he was burnt so badly. They put him into a coma. Okay. An induced coma to keep him alive. So now I'm like, Oh man, this guy, he's burnt alive. And he was the only, it's a small company. He was the only signer on all the accounts. Right. And so uh, now I, he's not, he's in a coma. He can't sign off on my 1031 exchange thing. Right. So that's my initial, like, Oh man, I feel for this guy. What can I do? How can I help him? I send him a basket of cookies or something like that. Right. And help this guy out. 
um, I do more digging. I read the next Google thing down and I start to see more stuff. And it turns out that straight up, Corey, people like you and me that are upstanding business people don't get lit on fire in cars, do we? You know, it doesn't happen to upstanding business owners. That happens to folks that are involved that are ne'er-do-wells and involved in some nasty stuff, right? Turns out this guy was running a Ponzi scheme. He was taking 1031 exchange proceeds and using it for other things besides what he was supposed to be doing with it, right? Um, and so at a, it got to a point where he had, uh, we had 716,000 go to him. He had seven, he had 6.5 million tied up in 1031 exchange money when he got lit on fire in the car. Wow. Um, yeah, man. So I was able, we and the other owners, thanks to some other online blogs like BP and stuff like that, were able to get in contact with each other. We all hired a lawyer and did a class action suit against him, right? Um, and uh, and that, so we've actually been able, like happy ending, we've been able to get the majority of the money back. And it's been three years, but wow. we've been pretty Minus much made whole. Fees. Yeah, and there's still more money coming. Now, some of that money that that knucklehead stole, you know, went up his nose and what went to other things and stuff like that, right? Um, but uh, but a lot of the money went to the guy who was in real estate. The guy bought himself three mobile home parks, bought himself a bunch of single family homes in Jacksonville, bought uh, bought self storage centers and stuff like that. And invested the capital, and so when he surrendered, when he came out of his coma, they you know he, he agreed to cooperate. So they started liquidating all this stuff. <laughs> Was that yeah right? Um, so anyway, they gosh uh, damn dude yeah, like that's what's a, that? How do you tell that to your like guys? Guess you what? We have this a happened to us, right? So I called a mentor of mine, and he was like, "Hey man, listen, you got two choices. You can call your up investors and say, "Hey man, listen, we got robbed. This is what happened, you know." And 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 that jerk off right there. Mm -hmm in the coma is the one that took our money and we're going to sue him for everything he's got. And he's got stuff. And we, by that point we knew he had assets and like, we're going to, we're going to get our money back from him. Just you wait. Right. The, but I, he said, the other thing, if you do that, they're likely never going to invest with you again. And they're, and they're going to, you know, just there, there's going to be some faith lost. Yeah. Um, and it's also, it's maybe not the right thing to do as their custodian. And I did, I, I slept about it. I thought about it. Um, and I said, like, you know what, man, these people, although yes, I, we made a mistake and we didn't know this guy was going to do this. They put their money with me and this shit happened on my watch, right? This happened while I was watching the clock. And so at the end of the day, I feel like not that I'm responsible, but I need to, I need to be part of making it clean. So that seven point seven hundred and sixteen thousand was going to buy eighteen point five percent of my building in North Carolina. Me and my partner had a thirty percent carve out, meaning we had thirty percent ownership of that building. We gave them our side yeah. of that building, so our, our investors are covered with my equity in that building in North Carolina. Now, as the money came back, you know, we started to buy that equity back from them and everything like that, and get our side back. Um, but they were covered with equity in my North Carolina deal the whole time. Boom. Um, that's all they the care right, about, right? So that's the right that's, thing to do, that's brother. Finding the right way to do it, and uh, yeah. and like, hey, and then that way you're worried about collecting. They don't even have to worry about trying to collect. Uh, yeah. They've already been paid. They, they've yeah. already got something they're a stake covered. in something. Yeah, that makes they got sense. their equity. Right, they got their equity. So it's not like they're just high and dry, hoping that this dude in North Carolina, that this this guy, this ten thirty one guy, uh, was going to pay up. They know they're covered, and if he doesn't pay up, we don't get a nickel out of him. They at least have share in a building, um, in that. And wow. uh, and we're about. And the good news is we're about to sell that building, and they're going to do really well. And we've gotten a bunch of money back from the ten thirty one. The moral of the story is, guys. First of all. 
if you're going to do something, make sure that you vet it by a few people because I could have just called my CPA or called eight other people or put on note on Facebook, say, hey, I need a 1031 exchange custodian. Actually, I probably, get out when, I probably could have gotten referred to him that way, but um, I could have asked for more uh, referrals to 1031s. And also, you know what? Sometimes shit happens, you know, and maybe I would have gotten, maybe I still would have worked with a guy if I had gotten eight referrals, I still would have hired the guy. At the end of the day, you got to be prepared to put investors first way ahead of yourself um, and put your investors goals ahead of yours. Um, and, and that, so that's, that's my, my, my nitty gritty dirt story. They don't tell very often, but, uh, because Dude, it hurts. Thanks for sharing, bro. It, man. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Cause Hey, listen, you should, I shared one. You shared one. That should be a freaking TV <laughs> movie, right? Shouldn't it? Like you picture this guy just running Dude, around. We could do um, a whole entertainment series of the shit that can go wrong and does of yeah. doing syndication. I would never want to be the uh, star of that show, but I could I know, definitely. Right? <laughs> well, I don't know if you get enough syndicators to get real. About no, they won't. It. I mean, there, there's Dude, a lot won't. of people out there that you know are trying to figure it out uh, and that ha that haven't been able to make it work. But um, I, I, again, so yeah, there's but, a great example, and everybody that's listening to this episode, man, you just you're listening to two guys get very honest about the business and when things come up how you find solutions that make it win-win for everybody yeah and that's really yeah. what that's the end of the day that's what you did man you're like dude this is this is some sh this is crap and i don't even know how it's like a grenade you're like what? <laughs> and finally you just decided just to fucking sit on it right that's right? what i did i like captain america that shit i just laid on top of the grenade <laughs> and said get back i got this it's gonna, I'm gonna lay, just lay on the grenade. You know, like, you know? It's okay. <laughs> um, right. But there's a lot of humility in that. And the, again, thanks again for sharing, brother. Like that's that's huge, man. So as we wrap this thing up, um, yeah, brother. I always like to give a book, right? So like, a, you know, what book are you reading right now that that or that you have read in the past that really uh, is doing it for you? At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. Brother, I, I got a great, so I'm not reading a book. I'm reading a lot of books. Here's what I got going on. Um, Brandon Turner talked about this in the Bigger Pockets podcast a long time ago. And I kind of made a, it like kind of, it went into my subconscious and I thought it was like, oh, okay, I'll put that, I'll put that back here. And then it just came up at the new year. I was like, you know, man, I'm going to read a lot of books this year, but I want to read books. I want to listen to books, but I don't want to listen to the full book. I want to listen to the summary. And so I downloaded this app called Blinkist, right? Today is February the 10th, right? Not that that's when y'all are listening to this thing, but today just we're 40 days into the new year, right? Yep. I've listened to over 50 books in the in the year okay because the summaries are about 20 minutes a piece i listen to them when i'm on the treadmill when i'm driving somewhere when i'm in the car by myself when i'm working out or whatever i listen to books i can normally get one to two books done on the treadmill right um and so or when i'm out for a walk you know i know you told me the other day you do a lot of walking and stuff like that so if you're walking by yourself you can freaking get through crush it or get through like the one thing or one of those like I, I listen to Alexander Hamilton's biography. I listen to Rockefeller's biography, like books I would never pick up. Right. I'm just not. I li listen, I I'm curious about Rockefeller, but not for nothing. I'm not going to go read 400 pages about him. I'm not. But I'll listen to 20 minutes about it. 
I will. Bro. You know? Yeah. And if I like it. What's this called? I, so is this an Blinkist. app? It's Blinkist. Yes, it's an app. It's a hundred bucks a year. It's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist. And um, it's I, I don't make shit off of it. It's not, I'm not like, I'm trying to like, whatever. I don't own any of it. Bro. I, it's just, it, it is, it is a lazy man's education tool, brother. And, and, um, and, and I'm, I'm pretty smart, but I'm also pretty lazy. You just said lazy, my love so. language, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you just said lazy. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> lazy. It's easy. But Blinkist, got, dude, Blinkist. I'm telling you right now, that is my biggest take in 2021 so far. Yeah. It's I amazing. Love it's reading, like, it's, but it's, sometimes I'm like, dude, um, I can't, I want to yeah. read more, but I'm just, ah, and I, and what if the book's crap? And now I'm an audio sh- guy. I like audio yeah. way better. But what if it's a shitty book? You know? Oh, God. Like, yeah. I'll give you one more book that I actually listened to. And you cannot read this. You have to listen to it. And it's, it's called um, uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. If you haven't I listened to it one. yet. I read that one. Yes. You, oh, my God. That's a the great The audio word, is like him and every other word out of his mouth is profanity. It's great. I yeah. mean, he's just like, this motherfucker. I listen motherfucker. to him when I'm going uh, hiking sometimes, right? Yeah. <laughs> I go to yeah. a YouTube video and just like hear him say his stuff. Oh, and dude. it just gives me up the mountain. Right? He makes me what I've been running on the treadmill and I was listening to Goggins and I'll go and turn it up. Like go a little turn faster. Speak, I'll go a little faster because I'm like, shit, what would Goggins do? He probably would run a lot faster for a lot longer is what he would do. Um, so yeah, those are two great books, but yeah, man, Blinkist is an absolute life changer and it's enabled, it enabled me to get into a lot more experimentation of education. Like, Hey, I like this. Let, okay. I'm, I'm a parent of young kids. Let me read some books on parenting. I'm a, I, I, I'm, I've been exploring meditation. Let's read some books on that. And I, I don't, I might not pick up the one thing, but I can listen to a 20 minute version, a 20 minute summary of it. And if I like it, I'll go pick up the book, you Ooh. know? Yeah, yeah dude, that's awesome. great. That yeah, is man. great. That's a great yeah, give. Thank you yeah, for brother. that. You're I'm going to thank you for that. Cause that's, that's right up my alley right now. Yeah. That's let me know something, how that goes. Yeah. yeah. I, I do. I do hour walks every day, man. And, and sometimes twice a day. Right. Yeah. And, and it's sometimes it's with changer. my wife. So like, then she's talking my ear off, but uh, listen, well, you put on Blinkist anyway, just sit and shake your head like this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my man. All right. Listen, uh, last word. So if you could give any advice uh, to anybody that's coming new into the business, Ooh. what say you, bro? Um, okay. This advice works. It's, this isn't just coming in during COVID advice or whatever. This is just good business for anybody that's starting up in business. And I, I, this has been what I tell myself and what I tell the new newbies too. If you're going to get into this business, you got to make three agreements with yourself, right? The three agreements are that you need to make an agreement that you're going to not quit, right? And if you just agree that you're not going to quit, those that lose or those that that like fold up or go bankrupt or whatever are people that quit. If you look at there, there's many successful people I know that have gone bankrupt multiple times. Shit, you might end up being president, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, it, it doesn't like that's not failure. That's just control halt delete, right? But the computer turns back on after you do that, right? right. Um, so. Don't quit. Make that agreement with yourself. Number two, make the agreement that no matter what, you will keep moving because stagnancy and stopping will kill your momentum and it will, you're not going to grow or get into new things if you don't, even though you're afraid, you might feel the fear. If you, if you feel the fear, but keep moving, you will also be, you will also find your way to success. And the third thing is, this is the hardest one. And I have to, I have to remind myself of this one all the time is don't get your emotions involved. Um, 
and I try my best. It's hard not to. It's an emotional business. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of zeros involved in this business um, in that. But if you do your best not to get your emotions involved and make decisions pragmatically, then you'll do better and you'll you'll be able to just, you know, make just, you know, dollars and cents level decisions. So if you make those three promises to yourself, that's how you're, that's, I think, the keys to success in anything, but mostly in real estate. Amen. Dude, great. Hey, Great, great thing. Listen, guys, you just had it. What a wonderful podcast today. If yeah, you're man. listening right now, this is this is why you come to this show because there's no other show that I know of that would give it to you unfiltered, raw, and real. real. It is it yeah. is absolutely where it's at, guys. You know, a lot of a lot of life, a lot of things happen, uh, a lot of success happens, but it happens in the mind first, guys. Yeah. It really starts. It's the quintessential part. If you believe it, you can achieve it and your paradise is possible.